I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church, and I welcome you to episode 18 in the fourth edition of the AIC Bible Study video series, New Testament Gospels. In episode 18, I continue discussion of three more of the unique parables in the Gospel of St. Luke, the parable of the lost coin and the parable of the lost son, or in the KJV text, the prodigal son, and finally, the parable of the unjust steward. At the end of the episode, I'll point out where material presented is discussed in the new AIC bookstore publication, The Gospel of Luke, Annotated and Illustrated. The parable of the lost coin in Luke 15, verses 8 to 10, is part of the Gospel reading for Third Sunday after Trinity. It follows immediately after the parable of the lost sheep, also reported in Matthew 18, verses 10 to 14, and is closely related to the closing one and a half verses 6b and 7 of the actual reading from Luke. The audience is a group of scribes and Pharisees plus tax collectors and, quote, sinners, unquote. The scribes and Pharisees sourly accuse Jesus of the sin of eating with sinners, likely based upon their interpretation of Psalm 1, verse 1. In the parable of the lost sheep, Jesus described a shepherd with 100 sheep who, when one of which strays away, abandons the ninety-nine and seeks the lost sheep. Finding the sheep, the shepherd hoists it across his shoulder and returns home and calls together his friends and neighbors announcing the return of the lost sheep, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. The illustration is my photograph of the central detail in The Good Shepherd, a second-quarter 20th-century stained-glass window by Franz Mayer of Munich at St. Joseph's Villa Chapel, Richmond, Virginia, from the AIC bookstore publication Paintings on Light. Having laid that theological foundation, Jesus delivers his second parable on the themes of something lost and then found, but more importantly, on the concept of repentance. The two silver coins were Greek drachma. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The illustration is the circa 1865 A.D. central detail of an engraving on wood by John Everett Millais from Clara Erskine Clement's Heroines of the Bible in Art, published at London in 1900 A.D. by the Victoria and Albert Museum. The second parable in the set for this episode, the parable of the lost son, 
Luke 15 verses 11 to 32 is the third in Jesus' parables of things lost and regained. It is a complicated and highly allegorical story. In the King James Version, it is called the parable of the prodigal son. But here I have used the New King James text for two reasons. First, because so few people today understand what prodigal means. Second, and more importantly, the revised name puts it in the context of the related parables of the lost coin and the lost sheep. It is the gospel reading for Ninth Sunday after Trinity in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer. It very likely was the inspiration for the opening verse of the Christian hymn, Amazing Grace, I Once Was Lost and Now Am Found. The illustration is a large circa 1665 A.D. oil on canvas by Rembrandt van Rijn at the Hermitage Museum in St. Petersburg, Russia. The parable is about a wealthy father with two sons. Jesus tells in verse 12 to 16 the story of the younger son, the more restless and impatient of the two, who wanted right now the one-third share to which he would have been entitled under Jewish law at his father's death. The father, loving and generous, granted his younger son's wish, and the son left his homeland and departed to, quote, a far country, unquote, where he quickly lost it all to a profligate lifestyle. Based upon the older brother's later reference to harlots in verse 30, it is likely that this included sexual promiscuity. With his money gone and a famine fallen upon his new homeland, the son was deserted by his new friends, and in his desperate situation, he took a job feeding swine, an unclean animal, under the Mosaic law. His desperation was so severe that he even considered eating the swill, which was fed to the swine, which would have been another violation of the Mosaic law. For modern ears, this would have been the equivalent of dumpster diving. The illustration for this and the next two slides is James Tissot's opaque watercolor over graphite on gray wove paper of the prodigal son begging from his Life of Christ drawings made between 1886 and 1894, now in the collection of the Brooklyn Museum, Brooklyn, New York. In this, his most desperate hour, the young man pondered what he had left behind, including the love of his father, and thought to himself words which are among the most quoted in the Gospel of St. Luke, with verse 18 and 19 being the opening sentence for morning prayer in Lent. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's servants have more than enough bread, but I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. The phrase sin before heaven and before you most likely refers to his violation of the fifth commandment and the dishonor he brought to his family, a violation of honor thy father and thy mother, and his violation of the Levitical Code regarding swine. 
the complete disgrace the young son feared did not happen. In the telling, we see the father disregarding traditional Jewish restraint against public display of emotion and the son's repetition of his confession from verse 18. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight am no longer worthy to be called your son. The illustration for this sequence is an oil on canvas by Bartolome Esteban Murillo, painted between 1667 and 1670 A.D. from the National Gallery of Art, Washington, D.C., in which many of the details from St. Luke's account are evident. The untypical reaction of the earthly father continues in verses 22, 23, and 24. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this is my son who was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. The phrase fatted calf has lost its meaning for many. In rural cultures in older times, it meant the family's most prized young calf. The father also offered the son three gifts, each of which early church fathers tied to Old Testament scripture. The first gift, the robe, symbolizes welcome and the renewal of righteousness according to the teachings of the prophet Isaiah based upon Isaiah 61.10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. The second gift, the ring, which was most likely a family relic, symbolizes forgiveness according to the testimony of the prophet Haggai in 2.23. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, and make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you. The illustration is an oil on canvas, painted at Rome in 1773 A.D. by Pompeo Batoni from the Kunsthistorische Museum in Vienna, Austria. The third and final gift, the sandals, symbolize welcome and also a further renewal of righteousness in the mode of St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians from Ephesians 6, 13-15. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. But not everyone in the story was as pleased as the father, as we learn as Jesus continues the parable in verses 25 to 30. For this sequence, the illustration is James Tissot's watercolor, The Return of the Prodigal, 
son from his Life of Christ series in the Brooklyn Museum previously cited, in which the skeptical look, look on from the doorway in the background is the older son. The older son sounds like the self-righteous Pharisee in the parable of the Pharisees and the tax collector, which is discussed in episode 20. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. The father's answer in the concluding verses 31 and 32 is a lesson in the danger of the self-righteousness of the Pharisees and a clear message to the faithful on the merciful nature of God the Father and the forgiveness he offers the truly repentant. The illustration is a detail from the previously cited Oil on Canvas by Bartolome Murillo. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive, and was lost and is found. The third and last unique parable for episode 18 is the parable of the unjust steward from Luke 16 verses 1 to 13, which follows immediately after the conclusion of the parable of the lost son. The parable contains three of the four uses in the KJV translation of the word mammon, which comes from the Aramaic or Chaldean word mammonus. The fourth is Matthew 6, verse 24. In other Bible translations, money and mammon are used interchangeably, but mammon generally is used to mean a glorification of money and wealth. A modern equivalent of the title chief steward might be estate manager. The illustration is the central detail from an etching, the parable of the unjust steward by Jan Lukian, made for the Boyer Bible, an early multi-volume illustrated Bible published at London around 1840 A.D. and now at the Bolton Museum in Lancashire, England. Interpretation of the parable of the unjust steward has been confused and conflicting since the earliest known homilies on the subject by such 2nd, 3rd, 4th, and 5th century fathers as, in chronological order, Origen, Ephraim the Syrian, Ambrose of Milan, and his most famous pupil, Augustine or Augustine in the English style of Hippo, John Chrysostom, and Cyril of Alexandria. Some basic points. The entire message of the parable is more important than interpretation of single verses. The spiritual meaning is more important than the definition of the words. 
St. Luke's account captures that spirituality, I think, better than the similar account in the Gospel of St. Matthew with its single message rather than the more complex meaning in St. Luke's version. The parable is addressed to Jesus' disciples, although there were Pharisees within hearing range. There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I am ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? So he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. Among the early church fathers mentioned earlier, some argued that the steward was shrewd. Others equally strongly argued that he acted within his authority, even if giving away the master's asset to gain favor with the master's debtors. Others called it outright theft. Jesus explains it in verse 8. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. There is universal agreement that here in verse 8b, the sons of light means Christians. The meaning is explained by Jesus in verses 9 through 12. The illustration for this sequence is Christ in majesty and miniature illumination of scenes in the life of Christ from a Psalter made at Oxford in the first quarter of the 13th century from Manuscript Royal 1D10, Folio 8B, British Library, London, England. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Some final thoughts on the parable of the unjust servant. Many Eastern Church scholars and the authors of the ESV Study Bible in the Western Church tradition argue that in the parable of the unjust steward, Jesus' suggestion that Christians, or sons of light, should share wealth generously with those in need so that when their own end comes, they may find that those to whom they gave may judge them positively in the life everlasting. 
One final thought for this episode and this parable. Many in the Western Church have corrupted the meaning of the word mammon, leaving the implication that all money is evil, or as filthy lucre, as it's used in the King James Version. The truth is that money is an inanimate object that cannot be inherently good or inherently evil. Excessive desire for money, especially for money that is the property of others, is the sign of the sin of covetousness, which is prohibited in the Tenth Commandment. Are there AIC resources? On material presented in this episode are from our long-running podcast homily series. Listen to the latest version of the podcast homily for third Sunday after Trinity. First, focused on 1 Peter 5, 5b-11 and Luke 15, 1-10, the parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin. And the ninth Sunday after Trinity, focused on 1 Corinthians 10, 1-13, and Luke 15, verses 11 to 32, the parable of the lost or prodigal son, and finally, the 13th Sunday after Trinity, the portion focused on Ephesians 6, 1 to 18, one of the sources of the imagery in the parable of the lost son, using the links on the podcast homilies page. Some of the same readings are discussed and illustrated respectively in Episode 3, Episode 5, and Episode 6 in our seasonal video series, Trinity, the Teaching Season. From the AIC Christian Education video series, The Lives of the Saints, from the first series on the 1928 Book of Common Prayer Saints, St. Matthew is the focus of Episode 14 and St. Luke of Episode 15. From the second series, St. Ambrose of Milan is the focus of episode 4, St. John Chrysostom of episode 9 and 10, and St. Augustine in the English tradition or Augustine in the American in episode 20. From the AIC Bookstore publication, the Gospel of Luke, annotated and illustrated, from chapter 15, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost son or prodigal son, and from chapter 16, the parable of the unjust steward. The illustration is The Return of the Prodigal Son, a late 19th century watercolor by James Tissot from the previously cited collection at the Brooklyn Museum. From Layman's Lexicon, words and phrases of interest are covet slash covetousness, commandments, forgiveness, mercy slash merciful, Pharisees, repentance, righteous slash righteousness, sin, and shepherd. From the beliefs of the Anglican Church, the fifth and tenth commandment and their use in Anglican worship is discussed on pages 49 to 56. From the St. Chrysostom hymnal, Amazing Grace is hymn number 892. From Paintings on Light, the illustration The Good Shepherd is found on page 41. And from the Writing Prophets of the Old Testament, Isaiah is discussed and illustrated on pages 13 to 20, and Haggai on pages 103 to 104. 
Finally, there is Father Ron's blog using links at the top and the bottom of each page. Entries include an illustration, usually include an illustration. The direct URL address, www.anglicaninternetchurch.net slash blog, can be copied into your browser. Please be, please be sure that you spell blog with only lowercase letters. By clicking the Follow Anglican Internet Church legend in the right-hand column and afterward entering your email address, you can receive notice of each new posting from our host site, wordpress.com. We do not share information with any other organization. Thank you for joining me for Episode 18. Next time, in Episode 19, I will discuss two more unique parables, the rich man and Lazarus and the tenacious widow. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and use its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.